This is First Nature Episode 13. I am your host, Sean Barry, here on the Rising Man Podcast. Today we're going to talk about summer solstice. How can we learn from the sun? Hello to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Barry bringing you another episode of First Nature here on the Rising Man podcast. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Got an interesting one for you uh, talking about summer solstice. And, you know, for me, I'm always looking for ways uh, to integrate nature into my daily living. How how can nature teach me how to live on a day-to-day basis in our modern technological world? Um, And... The solstice offers sort of a unique, more celestial opportunity to take a look. So I hope you get something out of it, and uh, we're going to drop right into that. Uh, but first, as I always like to do, um, if you haven't been to risingman.org lately, uh, go check it out. If you're going there regularly, uh, tell somebody about it. Um, again, it's uh, if you haven't noticed, the world's getting a little tough out there. Um, there's a lot up for a lot of people, a lot of different areas of this globe. And um, one thing that uh, I've found helpful so much in my life is to know that I've got other men around me who are just helping me keep my head level and my feet on the ground and plugging away through the hard times, uh, bringing my gift out to the people that I care about and I love and to the world at large, just trying to make that world a little bit of a better place. And, um, uh, you know, Rising Man has a lot of programs, as you know. If you don't know, go check it out on the website. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling that stretch and um, not sure where to turn to get support, if you're looking for a community of men to help you understand more about who you're becoming and how to call out your gifts and have a place to support that growth and help you find places in the world to bring that gift, well, I'm pretty sure there's a program in the Rising Man roster that's for you. So, um, yeah, go take a look, risingman.org. And, uh, the, you know, the, probably the easiest thing to jump into is the fire circle. That's uh, a community of men who are just there to talk, connect, um, share about what's going on in their lives, where their challenges are, and to get uh, good questioning, good feedback, and good listening to help them get clear on their next move. And you can get clear on your next move, too. So, again, that's the fire circle. Um, check it out. And, again, risingman.org. Great programs. And without any further ado... Let's jump into summer solstice. Summer solstice, what is it? Why is it something we want to recognize and acknowledge? 
uh, well, let's begin that conversation. So solstice basically breaks down into Latin, which means um, still, stitche, S-T-I-T-I-A, I believe is how it's actually spelled, means still in Latin. And sol, of course, means sun. And the reason why is similar to um, winter solstice, where the sun seems to, you know, so if you watch the sun rise and set every day from east to west, you notice that um, as it turns into spring and summer, the arc of the sun gets higher and higher and higher. And in the winter, when this uh, we get into fall and winter, the arc of the sun from east to west starts to get lower and lower and lower. And at winter solstice, uh, which is usually around the 21st to 22nd of December, um, it's the lowest point that the sun gets to on the horizon over midday. And for three days in a row, it basically goes no higher or no lo lower than that spot. It just kind of hits that same horizon spot, all right? And then on the 24th, um, to the visible eye, actually, you can actually see that it's a little higher in the sky past midday. And that's the one that we usually, we usually think about because we get way more excited about like, oh, the days are getting longer, which is actually what that signifies. And there's a lot of mythology and, um, you know, just culture attached to observing that day because they could start counting days from then and know when to begin ready to, you know, do plantings for the spring. Um, but the same thing happens in summer solstice, except for it's not at the lowest point, it's at the highest point. So on summer solstice, the sun gets a certain point around midday, the highest up it's going to get above us, right? For three days, it hits that same spot to the visible eye. Technically, it's still, you know, going up and down just a little bit in that three days. But it looks like it's basically hitting the same spot still. So... And the reason why that's happening, it's not actually because the sun is moving higher in the sky. It's because our planet, you know, our planet's on a tilt, right? So if this is our equator, our equator is actually tipped at a 23 and a half degree plane, all right? And that's what our planet spins around that axis at that angle. And it goes around the sun spinning on that 23 and a half degree tilt. It's actually 23.44 for you uh, sticklers for details out there. So while we in the Northern Hemisphere are having our summer solstice, where the sun's at its highest point for three days, uh, those in the summer, uh, the Southern solstice are having their winter, sorry, the summer, the Southern Hemisphere, those who are in this, for those that are in the summer, <laughs> for those that are in the Southern Hemisphere, it's their winter solstice, where the sun is at its lowest point in the sky at midday for three days. So. Here we are, coming around to summer solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. So, I got some notes here in front of me because that helps me just stay on track. So if my eyes go down, just know that's why, if you're watching on video. If you're listening, well, just know that I'm looking at notes. So yeah, we're tilted closest at summer solstice to the sun. And, um, it's really cool that we've just, we've been able to observe enough of our surroundings and outer space to figure that out, right? So, you know, telescopes and modern astronomy and computers aside, this was, this is old, old knowledge, something we figured out just by straight up just observing, just looking. 
And for things that are moving so slow, like the day, the sun through the sky at day, and, and the seasons, which are months, you have to think about the amount of attention and discipline and stillness and patience that those folks had to, to watch that happen and to figure it out and to start the counting and to understand that how the seasons changed around those celestial events. It's really pretty remarkable, I think. Um, so hats off to our ancestors who figured that out because it was them. And I don't know who it was. They didn't keep those kind of records for us. This is pre-writing. Um, but know that if you uh, come from an uh, indigenous culture, especially one that was getting into agriculture in the early days, your people knew that. Your people knew that. So you can thank them. But um, what's so really, what's so grand about summer solstice really, other than it's a great day for celebrating summer. Um, yes, there's lots of old uh, practices and rituals and um, things that people do around the world to celebrate that moment. But what can we really draw from it that's gonna help us in our personal day-to-day -day lives? How can we take this grand celestial event that's happening in our solar system within the galaxy we live in, amongst the billions of galaxies out there that can help us just tune in more closely for ourselves to, to nature, to the cycles of nature, therefore the cycles of us, because we work on cycles too. So here's what I've come up with, and I hope you find something that uh, strikes you in it. But um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was balance, right? So the earth, as we said, is not balanced in the way that we think about the equator being this like middle, you know, horizontal line straight across while well, we're tilted, right? The earth is on a tilt permanently, 23 and a half degrees, always. That's how it moves on a tilt. Um, it spins, right? It's just not this stationary object. It spins, it uh, wobbles, actually. You know, we think about the earth as being like this, you know, pretty solid object, but such a massive giant object that's 75% water, it actually has some wobble to it. And because it's spinning on its axis, it's actually a little compressed in the same way that, you know, um, like a water balloon, if you spin, a, if you took a water balloon and tried to spin it like a pizza, you would see it would start to stretch to the outside. That's what our planet does, it wobbles. It's a beautiful day out here and the Redwoods is hot. I'm in Santa Cruz, it must be uh, in the mid eighties and I'm in the forest. So it's warm out there. And uh, you know, the planet, 75% water. We're also, by body weight, 75% water. So we too, just by the nature of the fact that we're standing on this planet, we too have a tilt. And um, all of us have a certain bias to seeing the world in a certain way. That's our tilt. Uh, we can get spun just by ordinary daily, you know, we never wake up and go through our day in the same way. There's something that's always occurring to us differently and uh, we can get turned around. We wobble through our days. We wobble through our days, right? That's just the nature of humanity. And that's okay. Um, it's by design. We're on a planet that, that does that. It's been doing that for millions of years. Uh, billions, if you wanna go back all the way. And so as life got created on this planet, of course, this planet is going to pass on its characteristics to the life it generates. Therefore, we too are wobbly spinning off kilter, you know, unbalanced beings. That is our natural state. It's okay. So, you know, how hard are we being on ourselves? 
Because I know for me and pretty much everyone, everyone I know, we're always trying to, to get balanced, to stop spinning around so much, to get clear and specific and in a straight line towards our goals and our dreams and our visions and our purpose in life. That's a daily battle. We never wake up in that state, right? The whole day is just about trying to recorrect, to get back on that straight line. So, you know, how much are we trying to adjust just ourselves to hang on to this planet that's wobbling through space? That's a big part of our day is just trying to hang on. So can we find peace in this? Can we just go into our hearts, into our soul, our mind, whatever that inner space is that we can experience? And even right now, as you're listening to this podcast, even if you're driving or you got screaming kids in the house, like right now, just take a breath. Maybe close your eyes, exhale, and just feel that moment of stillness, that moment of peace. It's the one time where the planet does seem to come to a little bit of a rest, just for a brief moment. I mean, solstice literally happens just in that moment of midday, three days in a row, and then it's back in motion full time. So in that same way, we can too, amidst all the busyness and moving around that's happening for us, we too, just from a simple breath, and that little pause at the top, exhale, we just get that little taste of peace. And that can be very, very, uh, just, it can feel great. And just remind us that there is peace within all of that. That's something that we get to generate as humans. We have this capacity to generate. You know, and uh, I also like to think about, like, where do we even get the idea that life should be so even keeled? You know, I mean, we can create the appearance of that. And we've done a pretty good job in our world with our, you know, vehicles and houses and buildings and internet and all these things that operate on kind of straight lines and clear math and calculations that play out exactly the way we intended to. Um, but it's not the baseline of how this planet operates. It's not. So I often wonder, is a lot of the um, challenge we're experiencing in the world right now with our nations and governments and um, climate change and uh, economies, you know, how much is that is, of that is a result of us trying to linearize and systemize a planet that is not linear or systematic? It's in flux, it's dynamic. It's on cycles, right? It's on cycles. And it wobbles and spins and tilts all the way through and always will. So what would happen if we spent a little time just feeling into that, that it's okay, it's okay. And then we can find peace. We, if we can find ourselves in that cycle, if we can find ourselves tuning into the way the seasons change and the way that the day starts and the way the day ends, um, can we start to experience some of that in-breath and out-breath in just a cyclic manner of in and out, up and down, sunrise, sunset, winter solstice, summer solstice. And knowing that um, those things are always something we can count on. And in that rhythm and in that cycle, we can find peace amongst all the wobbly, spinny, you know, tilty stuff we're going through on a day-to-day -day level. Stillness. Let's talk about stillness for a minute. So when we're still, when we bring our bodies to stillness, 
in a meditation or in a relaxation or even in front of the TV or a movie, um, something happens. Right? When our bodies go still, our minds can start to still. And we notice that we have a lot of thoughts going on, right? But something's noticing that those thoughts are happening. And that's the stillness, the stillness that notices all the raucousness. And that's a powerful thing to touch into as well. When we can tap into that sense of stillness that we have, when we get our bodies still and our minds still, um, there's some recognition and assessments we're able to make from a place of more observing as opposed to the subjectivity of, you know, thinking that it's all about how we do it in our lives and the choices we make. Right? We can take that, click out to that bigger picture and see ourselves in the play of the world. And sure, there's always going to be that part of ourselves in there making decisions on behalf of ourselves and what we feel we want to bring to the world and get from the world. But when we get to a place of stillness, um, we do, uh, we're able to incorporate a, a wider view. We're able, able to see others and what they're bringing or needing from us and the world around us. And that's the foundation of community. Right, getting out of that individual sort of uh, mind, you know, that's that myopic kind of mindset of just thinking about the selfishness and the needs of ourselves. And again, that comes from stillness. So we're thinking about the solstice, the still sun, right? And when we come to that stillness, and especially with thinking about the sun as a metaphor uh, that, that's shining down on us on the longest day of the year, there's so much light that day, and the light is very strong and very direct. And then that still moment at the arc of it and thinking about internally, how do we just shine that still light on ourselves internally and gives us, give ourselves that gift of that, um, that longer still experience of just observing our life and all the other people and things and activities that are in our lives and that we, and how we are in their lives too. So uh, stillness is a big part of the gift of the solstice. Um, you know, whether we want to recognize it or not, uh, we're on a, we're, like I said, we're on a planetary schedule down to the minute as the sun moves across the sky, you know, or the, as the planet spins around the sun, which is really what's happening, you know, and when the planet takes a breath, we take a breath, right? A lot of Latin cultures are very fond of having, uh, uh, they have siestas in the middle of the heat of the day. Right, whether it's solstice or not, just we know in the afternoons, particularly in summer times, that's when the, the the sun's more direct. It's the hottest part of the day. Um, it drives us to want to rest, relax, take a break, get out of the heat, um, take care of ourselves to promote some of that stillness and relaxation and reflection. It's built in. Um, but you know, the the interesting thing about all this stillness is <laughs> we're never actually still. Right? Stillness is something that we can generate in our imagination and then express within ourselves. But the planet is spinning on its axis all the time. Even at solstice, like I said, you know, the solstice moment only happens for a, mo a moment as the sun reaches midday at that high point for those three days. Right? It's just a moment. We can generate stillness for longer than that within ourselves. And it comes and goes too, but we have that ability to create stillness from within because it doesn't really exist outside of ourselves. The planet is spinning, right? 24 hours, you know, if you're around the 40, 35th to 45th parallel, which is where North America is mostly, um, even when you're sitting in the stillness of your most deepest 
calmest, most quietest meditation, you're moving at the speed of sound, 760 some miles an hour. Always, as I sit here talking to you right now, I'm moving 767 miles an hour, give or take. The closer you get to the equator, it gets faster. I think the equator spins at about a thousand, almost a thousand fifty miles an hour. It's pretty amazing to think about uh, how fast we're all actually moving through time and space on the face of this planet just by the fact that it's spinning. But the stillness comes from within inside. And of course, it's relative, right? I mean, it's a very still day here. There's no breeze. I'm looking around and literally nothing is moving relative to the space that I'm able to observe. So there is that recognition of stillness that is, uh, you know, we can see in our local environments. But it comes from in here too. Revealing ourselves. So solstice is a long day, longest day of the year, as far as sunlight goes. And light is very powerful. We use it a lot of metaphors. Um, when it's summertime, we tend to wear less clothing. It's so hot. We're wearing shorts, tank tops, going shirtless, you know, going naked if you're skinny dipping in a swimming hole. It's... Uh, a time to reveal. A lot of revealing is going on in the summer, right? Which is really what summer solstice marks is the beginning of summer. And this time of things coming fully out, things uh, being f fully unprotected. So again, for us, it's just noticing that our bodies, we do that with our bodies, we expose our skin. Our skin is very sensitive. It's very durable, but it's very sensitive. And we want to get sun on it, right? We want to get out of the heat. We want to get some of that vitamin D. Um, it feels good, right? It's also the time now we're just coming out of spring. So all, all of life, you know, just the animal worlds, all the babies that have been kind of huddled up in the den or couldn't quite see yet or didn't really have their feet or their fur or their feathers, they're coming out. They're revealing themselves. They're fledging the nest. They're coming out of the burrows and learning to hunt alongside their parents. They're um, doing all these uh, scary things for the first time, this revelation of their vulnerable selves, right? That happens as we get into the summer months, as the days are long and the sun is bright and we, we see all that. And so there, I want to encourage you to think about this. What else can we reveal? Not just in the physical exterior world, but within ourselves. You know, what vulnerabilities and um, what shadows uh, that get diminished in the summer solstice with that direct long light uh, you know, like when the sun's that direct overhead, there's not a lot of long shadows in the middle of the day. They're very, very like minimized. So thinking about that metaphor of like, can I use this time of year with the long days and the direct sun to shine light and all the nooks and crannies that have been dormant and dark for, this, for the winter months and even into the spring until the sun got to its full height? You know, the flash of the flower has faded for spring. The, the blooms are falling off the fruit trees. And it's time to commit to, to what we can bring to fruition. All right? Where it's, it's planting seeds is a little too late now in that sense. And um, while they, there's a good cliche about not putting all your eggs in one basket, um, there's just some eggs left now after the spring and they need to go in one basket. We need to collect what we have and fully just take care of them and know that these are the months where we have to bring our best to, to shepherd and, and usher all the, the vision and plans and healing we had intended for ourselves this year out into the light, 
out into that beautiful brightness that um, just reveals it all and let's, lets us be seen. Not only that we can see ourselves more clearly when we choose to be vulnerable and reveal ourselves, but that others can see us and we can see others. And we become mirrors for each other in that way to really just peer inside with that bright light and look, look into each other's eyes, into each other's hearts and see the pureness of the humans that we are. Um, I think that's why summer is so full of celebrations. You know, we're not wearing a lot of clothes, short sleeves, shorts, all that stuff, flip-flops, you know, and just by the, the you know, I mean, I don't know how it is for you out there, but I know for me, <clears throat> when I'm wearing less clothes, I just feel more vulnerable. You know, if I'm out of the beach, I don't have a shirt on and, and somebody comes up and want, want to hug me and say hello, I'm just conscious that we're putting skin on skin. It's very, very vulnerable and very, very acutely brings me to the forefront of my presence and consciousness and who I am and how I'm putting myself into the world right now. So to me, that's a really big gift of something that summer can invoke for us is a time of, you know, we really usually we think about winter and the darkness as, as being a time to ruminate and do introspection. But, um, <clears throat> and, it, and that's going inwards, right? But in a sense, we're taking our inward self at this time of year and we're bringing it out into the light. We're expressing it outwards. So we can think of it that way with um, revealing ourselves. And then I want to talk about tending our investments and trusting the phenomena of growth, right? So again, you know, we plant in the spring <clears throat> when, um, when the old time agricultural people would uh, detect winter solstice, that three days that the sun was sitting low on the horizon at midday, they would start, they would start counting days from there. And they knew that about, you know, 90 or so days, depending on where they were in the world, it was time to start putting seeds in because the frost was going to stop or the ground was gonna th wasn't going to freeze up again after a certain point and it, was, it would be a good time to plant and that would give things enough time to come uh, to grow and produce and be able to be harvested before it got cold again so again just in the, in the metaphor of this we've planted you know we've planted our seeds already right we're halfway through the year and we've, you know, started the new year with our resolutions and our visions and our ideas and our expectations of what was to come. And now here we are where the planting season is over. Now it's all about tending, right? And having that commitment and that discipline to see the things through that we've put into motion. Um, summer is a time that marks the potential for growth. So... Are we scrambling to get more seeds in right now? It's, it's too late for that. It's too late for that. I mean, it's not. You can. But you're abandoning time, energy, and efforts that can go to the seeds that are already well on the ground and put a root down. So, yeah, you know, playtime's over in a sense. I mean, summer's a great time to play. But <clears throat> the way I look at it in that sense is it's a different kind of play. It's, it's, it's work play. It's really investing ourselves into the fullness of what we can generate because it's going to take our direct interaction. You know, when you plant a seed, there's a time of just kind of like waiting. And, um, and there's lots of time for play in that sense where we're, we're not on, on the, you know, we're not on the clock. But if you've ever grown food for yourself, you'll know that as soon as things take root and as summer hits and things really start to start growing, um, you got to be in the garden a lot. You're weeding, you're tending, you're uh, cutting back, you're eradicating uh, unwanted insects and other things. Uh, you got to be paying attention to it because it'll overgrow or get eaten down by a wayward deer like that. 
So it's a different kind of play. It's an interactive play where we're experimenting and exploring how to get the most out of what we've set our seeds into for the year. It's no longer potential, pure potential. Now it's the potential of like, you know, like I said, with the eggs, like not all the eggs made it, but the eggs we do have, we are putting them in one basket because we've got one shot over the next months to get the most out of those eggs that made it. Those plants that got a root down and a sprout up and flowered, and now they're starting to grow fruit, the food that nourishes us. Everything grows. And uh, we have to become fastidious in our faith and trust that growth just happens. It's amazing to think about all the food we eat. And, and we don't really, I don't really always make that connection of taking food and putting it into my mouth, eating it, and thinking that that, f- that food grew, that food was just a little seed. And it grew out of the ground, right? And it took water and sun and soil and all these other things to, to make it happen. Things that, I, that we still don't really have any control over. Right, sure, we have uh, you know, all kinds of ways to make things grow uh, well and better, maybe faster, but we still don't really control growth. We still don't really know what makes things grow. That's straight up phenomena. That's something magic about this planet. All these trees behind me, they grew out of little teeny like you know, pine cones or you know, seeds from other trees. That's amazing. So there's a sense of like bringing our faith and our trust into the summer to know that um, we've done, you know, we've done our part with getting seeds into the ground and we're doing our best to lend our, our, you know, our efforts and our blood, sweat and tears to like make sure everything gets its best shot. But that best shot is out of our hands. That's up to nature. That's up to the planet. That's up to the, the forces that be and everything else. And so looking at it from that, um, that metaphorical, metaphorical lens again, for ourselves and our lives, um, knowing that we don't operate in a vacuum, right? We have our, our plans, our visions, our intentions, and um, sure, we en- enroll people along the way, our, our coworkers, clients, uh, acquaintances, family members sometimes, but it goes deeper than that. Those really are the people that make it happen, right? So just like nature where um, you can put a seed in the ground or you can just have a seed, right? But if you don't put it in the ground and you don't have water and you don't have sun and you don't have beneficial insects and you don't have animals who are, uh, you know, coming by and doing their part with, uh, you know, excrement, their excrement that becomes nutrients by composting and um, the way they harvest by eating that actually makes things grow better and sometimes in, in some ways, like that's all part of the system. That is the system. All those things are part of how life grows on this planet. It's one giant community of helping each other. And for us in life, it's the same way. Uh, Nobody's out there making it on their own, really, right? You may go through several days of just working solo in your office at home or something and feel like you're just doing it all on yourself, um, tapping on your laptop. Um, But even at a minimum, somebody made that laptop for you, right? Not even just somebody, like a team of people, a whole corporation uh, of brilliant designers and engineers and manufacturers and shipping people who figured out how to move things across the country and the people that made the vehicles to move those things across the countries and those factories and those engineers, all those people. That's how the laptop got into your hands as you type away on it all by yourself, right? 
So just going that remotely to how, how many people and organizations and efforts are behind that, then bringing it full forward to just, you know, the people in your life, right? The friends, the families, the partners, the clients, uh, the mentors, the teachers, um, the people who generate content for us to learn something from, um, the people that say yes to our offer and even just with their enthusiasm, motivate us, inspire us to continue forward, right? That's all happening together as a, a, a group of us, right? We're not doing it alone. So again, with this solstice metaphor, looking out, you know, thinking how much more people are out celebrating, socializing, summertime people are outside, um, just getting out there, integrating, recognizing how much we are contributing to each other's lives and how much that is what makes life go around. Super powerful. So yeah, tending to those investments and, and trusting that phenomena of growth, having faith that whatever that magic piece is, that's that it comes in, you know, that third piece, the synergy between one-on-one makes three because I show up, they show up, and then something else shows up in between us. And we have this amazing network of uh, beautiful things going on in the world. So trusting that phenomenon with our faith. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the medicine wheel too, which is something I, I really uh, love to spend time with, mapping my life onto to see where I'm at and to know that's one of the oldest tools that, uh, of spirituality that humans have developed, maybe the oldest. It's a really wonderful tool. It's nature-based. It's uh, local to the local nature, so medicine wheels look different in different places. But they all, um, because they do follow nature, they are following the seasons on some level. And in at least the North American uh, and most Northern Hemisphere, anytime you find a wheel, uh, particularly in North America with Native American tribes, typically the summer is in the South, right? So uh, medicine wheels are kind of oriented, almost like a compass. And uh, South is the summer. And, um, you know, it represents, so the summer represents the physicality, uh, being in the manifest with our attention and intention. Uh, it's a time to revel in the childlike joy of watching growth happen and potentials beginning to realize, right? So kind of tapping back into that, uh, the phenomena of life, and tending to that garden, getting out there and knocking back the weeds or adding some compost. Um, you know, all these parts that uh, require our physical interaction, our physical interaction to get out there and be a part of it, to be in it, to be in our bodies, to be in the celebration and the joy of like, isn't it amazing that we get to do this? And, and, the, and the, the, just the magic. Um, you know, the South, uh, the, the element of the South is, you know, the four elements are earth, air, wind, fire, earth, air, <laughs> earth, air, water, fire, fires in the South on a lot of those wheels. And, um, you know, the sun, we don't really think about, uh, the sun being fire, but it is, it's this giant sphere of fire, giant sphere of fire, just hanging out there in space. All right. It's a star. Straight up a star, like all those other stars we see in the nighttime sky. The sun is a star and it's so close to us. On a sunny day, you can put your hand up like this and just feel the, you can feel the heat coming off of a star. That's how close we are. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, we don't operate the same in summer as we do in winter. And this is 100% because of the sun, right? I mean, the earth is spinning. That's one thing. But if it was just spinning, you know, I mean, it's spinning and the closest, the next closest star to us doesn't have any effect on life on this planet, really. It's too far away. 
It doesn't, um, you know, the nighttime, it's not lit up. It's not lighting up the nighttime sky the way the sun does. It's, you know, it's our star, the sun, that dictates how we move through life and experience our time and use our time. You know, we live and die by the sun. This is the time, summer solstice is the time that the planet is bowing its crown to the sun, the northern crown to the sun, right? That's literally what it's doing on this 23 and a half degree axis. It's, it's bowing to the sun, acknowledging, honoring, giving thanks. I like that picture. Um, we like to talk about this planet so much, about all that it, it's, it's done, all the systems, all the animals and plants and flora, fauna, mineralia, everything that's, you know, the, the sites, the, the, the history, the, uh, the different landscapes, the environments, the, the beasts of the ocean and the land, us, all we've done. We talk about this planet and rightly so. It's amazing. But none of that's possible without the sun. None of it. Again, I've said this before, but um, they've found over 5,000 Earth-like planets orbiting sun-like stars out there so far. 5,000. None of them. None of them are even remotely close to being able to generate anything like we have here. That's incredible. And it's because of the way that, you know, our distance to the sun is just that perfect little distance that created all this. And so as much gratitude as we can generate for the beauty of life that we get to have on this planet, um, I like to think of the planet also acknowledging, bowing to the sun on summer solstice and saying thank you. Um, so how might, we, how might we do that, right? You know, we're, we're crowned within our own lives. You know, we, we generate all these things that happen in our lives. Uh, we have, first of all, we just have our internal organs, right? Thinking about the ecosystem of our organs and how everything's operating and, and doing what it needs to do taking care of itself like a mini planet, basically, right? We've got our surface area, which is like the surface of a planet. It sweats, um, it shivers like earthquakes. Um, you know, we take in things and it goes through our systems and it gets utilized in different ways and then we send it back out. And it technically can be used to grow more things that we can take in as fertilizer. So it's a closed system in that sense that our body is like a little miniature planet and we are the supreme rulers of that planet. Right? We get to decide to a very large degree the health and wealth of this planet that we're responsible for, of our body. So how might we sort of tip our northern crown to, to the planet, to Earth, to the sun, to all that has allowed us the opportunity and the experience to, to, be, um, to have the opportunity to enjoy life this way, to experience life this way, to have a body and to care for this body and to learn what this body is capable of and all the bodies around us. So just to wrap up, summer solstice, we just say it's one day. And I like that too, because it puts a little prominence on it. It puts it as a very clear sort of opportunity to, to get still. Right? You can look up what time locally solstice actually happens for you. It's literally down to the minute. It'll, there'll be a local time 
like 534 or something, where the sun will be at its highest up midday for your location, then it will be the whole year or perhaps ever. So bringing some intention to that, bringing some attention to that and acknowledging that that represents um, aspiration. Something, you know, we're all reaching for something. If we're on this planet, we're reaching for something. Even if you're going through the worst of times right now, you're still reaching for something better than the worst of times. And the sun is such an uh, easy thing to... to um, to connect with because it's always out there even on a cloudy day it suns out right on a sunny day it's even easier can't even look at it it's so bright but knowing that as the sun's rising towards solstice we can look think of our aspirations our life aspirations as rising too and also acknowledging that we're only going to get to a certain point all right dreams are dreams and their full potential it's like putting that seed in a spring but the the uh, the as you know the highest point of summer solstice, um, it's not going to go any higher than that, and there is a limit to what we are capable of, but the aspirations to find that limit for each of us, uh, that's you know an inspiration, and we can use that sun for inspiration. And there's a natural cycle again, just looking at um, you know going through your summer, going through your year, your summer, getting into like how did you do this year, right? Did you hit your goals? over this year did you hit your goals over the station of a life when you get to be an old elderly person you can still be looking at the sun on any given summer solstice and just thinking about did you hit your goals in your life on that special day so that's one way to celebrate it is just to get out there on the on the solstice day and to um, spend a moment, spend that moment of, of, you know, the height of summer solstice, wherever you are, and just acknowledge like, yeah, this is it. This is the heights. This is the highest of the highest moments. You can even, you know, do things like just put your hands out and just feel that heat. Feel that heat. You can look up towards it, squint your eyes, maybe put on some really heavy sunglasses. Don't stare directly at the sun. But just give yourself a sense of like how magnanimous that light is, how powerful the light is. So powerful that we can't even take it in directly. That's how powerful it is. You can go out for the night before solstice and watch the sun set and, and, uh, and give a moment to the end of spring because that's really what's happening. The end of spring, the end of full potential for the year is that last sunset before, before solstice. Um, you can organize a hike with some friends. Go for a sunrise hike or a sunrise or a sunset hike on the day of solstice. And really just take in that sun rising, our planet spinning 760 miles an hour. And welcome in that, um, that yeah, full potential is over for the year. And now it's getting to the task of, of maximizing the potential that's available to us to putting our, our full discipline, our full excitement, our full enthusiasm and inspiration and dedication into the rest of our year, into the rest of our lives. Utilizing this time of summer when the light is long, the days are long and the summer and the, and the weather's warm and we're invited to be outside, to be in that physicality of life, the manifestation of creating reality to our dreams. 
um, if you have connection to your heritage, whatever your ancestry is, you can, um, you know, talk to your parents, talk to your grandparents, talk to your great grandparents if they're still around. Find out how did your people celebrate the solstice? What did you do? There's all kinds of ways out there, rituals and celebrations. Um, if you don't have any connection to your heritage and don't really have access, your parents don't remember, no one else does, research it, right? Research your name and uh, just jump on the web and find out what people were doing in that part of the world to celebrate the coming of the solstice. So it's all kinds of ways to, um, to, to honor and celebrate that day. And then um, I hope you got something out of just understanding how we can actually use nature and the events of nature, either things that are happening on the earth around us or the celestial events like the solstices and equinoxes to, um, to live our lives according to the natural cycles of everything that sustains us. Um, I really believe that's how we function best. And while it's amazing to, um, you know, be in this time where we're getting to uh, create so many different things that enrich and, um, uh, you know, just with our technology and conveniences and uh, you can fly anywhere in the world in a day. I mean, you know, the access we have to explore uh, who we are as creatures and explore the planet around us are many folds, many fold, thanks to um, the modern conveniences and technologies we developed. And we're still operating on the same four season cycle. We're still operating on the same sunrise and sunset. We're still operating on food grows for a part of the year and then it doesn't for a part of the year. We're still sitting, all that is sitting on that foundation. So how can we um, just dip down into that longer term more ancestral uh, just history of humankind that we lived like for so long and how we were watching the sun and watching the stars and moving with the cycles and adapting to the changes as the seasons came and went and learning how to, um, to be in the harmony of it. Uh, I think that'll bring some peace. I think that'll, that'll help to um, extend or help you find more of those in and out breaths where peace and stillness are right there accessible because we are nature. We are nature. We're the same nature that's um, been here on this planet for a billion years, just in a different form. So I uh, hope you got something out of that uh, share today around summer solstice. And again, I really encourage you to uh, just get out there, get out there, enjoy nature, get some friends out there. Um, make a point of doing something unique and special for yourself on solstice. You can create it yourself. You can make up whatever you want. And as long as it's meaningful for you and touches something in you that connects you deeply to um, this magnificence of the universe we live in, then do it. I'll see you next time. that is the show for today thank you again so much for tuning in i am sean berry this is the first nature segment of the rising man podcast and again if you're looking for a good support network and a bunch of great men 
to uh, help you find your way and bring your gift out to the world, do head on over to risingman.org and check out our programs. Um, it's going to help us to get this in front of other men who might be looking for good contents and something to uh, support them as they discover what they have to offer to the world. So uh, if you like what you're hearing, please do subscribe to the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, you can see my ugly mug on video there uh, sitting in the Redwoods giving this podcast. And um, if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes, uh, it really you know, the, the logarithms kick in and it gets us in front of the men who might be looking for this. So help us out there. That'd be really appreciated. Um, as always, I'm really thankful for Mark and Julian who basically take my uh, digital assets here and turn them into something that sounds great and looks great out there on the web. So thank you to you two, the power team for Rising Man. And until next time, find out who you are inside by getting outside.